What up, guys? Welcome back to episode four of the Desk Plant Therapy Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to interview my buddy, Dr. Jacob Harden. He's just going to tell us a little about who he is and what he does. Hey, everyone. So as David said, I am Jake Harden, um, known affectionately online as Dr. Jacob Harden, um, but I do just go by Jake. And I am a sports chiropractor down in Orlando, Florida. And I treat patients out uh, down here as well as travel and teach seminars on injury prevention and management with uh, my company, Prehab 101. How did you get started with chiropractic and prehab? Uh, well, Cairo, I kind of fell into. Uh, I was living in Florida at the time. I had finished a pre-med degree at the University of Texas. And I was kind of at this in-between point in my life where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But um, so I was just kind of, uh, I was actually looking for a gym. Uh, and the one I ended up going to happened to be next to the Cairo school. And so I was just kind of driving by it. And so I ended up taking a tour of that school and just kind of fell in love with everything they were telling me. I saw a vision in it of, you know, kind of having a bit of a sports medicine focused practice. Uh, and so I joined in right then and there and started that. So I really just kind of <laughs> dove in head first on it. Uh, as far as prehab goes, that was more so me blending my, I would say, clinical knowledge with me being a meathead and just training for years, uh, being into powerlifting and all that, and just kind of understanding that, you know, staying healthy is probably the best way to win in the long term. That's cool. And your prehab 101 has evolved a lot these days. Did you see it what it is now when you first started? Or is it more like something you had an interest in? No, I never even planned for it, honestly. So it started, I guess, last June. There was a girl from Argentina that reached out to me and asked if she could just come to my clinic and learn from me for like a weekend. And it, for my like whole personality is like, well, that sounds like a new fun challenge. Let's do that. So I took that on and she came in and we went over a bunch of stuff over the course of three days. Uh, that I felt that she could take back and, you know, help her people with. And then I ended up just like putting up a picture of that on my social media about like, I had so much fun doing this. It was a great experience. And then all these other people started asking me for it. So I had this gym up in Vancouver, reach out, uh, the bar, uh, strength and conditioning. And they asked me if I wanted to do a larger group seminar up there. And again, my personality, that's a fun, that's a fun new challenge. Let's do it. So that was where I actually developed the course for the first time was for this large group. And that was last August. And so I went up there. It was a great thing. And I was like, you know what? Like I just fell in love with it. This is amazing. This is exactly what I want to be doing. And so I decided I wanted to do an entire seminar tour this year. And I, you know, put it out on my social media. I asked, where should I go? all this stuff and got good responses. So it's just, it just kind of grew like crazy. Um, I mean, I, I say it's overnight, but you know, it's the product of putting in three years of work on social media up until that point before, uh, before it actually kind of blew up, I would say. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your kind of rehab process and how it's different? Sure. So, I mean, I think that it's not like, my system or my process or anything like that. It's just what I consider to be uh, what the evidence says to be best. And so, you know, I'm very much focused on helping people get back to 
like full function for them, whatever that is, and their meaningful activities. So that, you know, if, if you come to me with a shoulder issue, I'm not going to treat your shoulder issue the same way I would treat your best friends, you know, unless y'all are literally presenting with the exact same thing, wanting to get back to the exact same activities and you're limited in the exact same way. But because people have different goals and somebody might need to just be able to put their dishes away, you know, and someone else might need to throw a hundred mile an hour fastball. And those are two very different processes to get people back to that. So what I'm really focused on is identifying things that you can't do currently, identifying the current limitations, helping you figure out what is the path going to be to come past that and then get back to what you want to do. Because to me, the injury is more about the limitation than it is about the pathology. The What we see so much in literature now is so much pathology is also seen in people with no pain and no limitation. So can we even call it a problem in the first place if there's no limitation associated? And that's kind of that driving thought uh, that I have is I really want to be function focused and helping people get back to what is it that is, you know, what is it that you want to do and getting past what's currently limiting you? For those of you who don't know exactly what prehab is, um, can you explain a little bit why it's so important, especially how it's related to physical fitness? So someone who is more a gym goer would want to have an incentive to start focusing on their prehab. So prehab is just basically anything that is going to help you reduce risk of injury. So, I mean, that a lot of it is, you know, just setting up good training. Like training in general is prehab and getting stronger is prehab. I think there's a huge misconception about what it actually is, which is why I started teaching in the first place, um, really in depth on that. And the, the con, a lot of people see prehab as, you know, oh, well, it's just the mobility. It's just stretching. It's just these fancy band drills or whatever it is. But, you know, it's so much more than that. You know, it's how it's setting up a good training program. It's, making sure that you're getting stronger over time. It's managing your recovery and your rest, et cetera. And it is all that other stuff too. But, you know, why should you care about that? Well, because you don't want to get hurt. <laughs> you know, you want to make sure that you're not just training this week. You want to be training, you know, next year and 10 years from now and 20 years from now on and on and on. And the best way to make consistent progress is to not have setbacks. So if you don't want to have a setback, then you want to stay healthy. Yeah, it sounds like prehab is different for everyone, just like your approach to the treatment and the different shoulder injuries. Um, one person could be longevity. One person could be could be fitness. One could just be enjoying their life without pain. And it's all really important. I think that really encapsulates pre- what prehab is very well because it's really it's what gets you going for your your needs. Yeah, it's it's what and you have to assess that first. You have to know what is it that you personally need in order to move forward. So that's going to you know. Come in, what comes into that is one, knowing your goals, knowing your demands, and knowing your limitations. So, I mean, that sounds a lot like my rehab process, right? It's, they're the same thing. It's, they're just on a spectrum to where, you know, a rehab process might have a lower starting point versus in a prehab process, you're, the focus is a bit different. You're just trying not to get hurt. So you just have to figure out maybe like, where do I need to be a little bit stronger? Where do I need to move a little better? Where do I need to recover a little better and kind of attack that? So do you see it as more like an individual approach, something that somebody could implement on their own? 
Or do you think it's some people would find it hard to know like what their limitations are? I think that most people can probably do it on their own uh, with a little education. You just got to know what you're looking for. So, you know, it's, you know, we talk about like soreness, like, you know, two, three days of soreness after a workout is a hundred percent normal, you know, but like, when does it become not normal? And so we can educate somebody on like, you know, that 48 to 72 hour window is probably pretty normal. If it's like lasting four to five days, then maybe you pushed your training volume up a bit too much and you might want to pull that back down because you might be inducing a little bit too much muscle damage on yourself. Helping people understand things like proper nutrition and hydration and the importance of sleep. You know, these are all huge recovery factors. And, you know, that's the stuff that makes real change and just helping people prioritize. That's kind of what I'm about um, with this is I want to give people priorities to focus on. And recovery is kind of the big, I guess, the easy one that I kind of cover because you have things like your nutrition, hydration, sleep, fatigue management, you know, those are the things that actually create real change. Then you kind of have the other stuff, which just kind of makes you feel a bit better, which is things like, you know, your ice baths, your hot showers, your foam rolling, your what East impacts, your Theraguns, your whatever. and all that stuff is fine, but it shouldn't take the place of getting a good night's sleep and eating well and drinking enough water, et cetera. And I think a lot of times people want to put the cart before the horse a little bit and kind of just go with all the, the fancier you know, stuff. Um, and then they don't necessarily focus on some of the more mundane stuff that they really need to just get their ducks in a row with. Yeah, I totally agree. We tend to get so caught up in like the mobility and the band strength, like you mentioned. I'm even Guilty, for example, I used to stay up late sometimes just to get some yoga in, or even if it's midnight, just to get some stretching or foam rolling in. And then that's cutting back on the sleep, but then you don't realize how it's actually impacting you. But you're also kind of, there's a point where you kind of become almost addicted to like the way you feel after the stretching and the foam rolling. So it's hard to balance 100%. it. Yeah, so I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah it's true because you just, you have that. I always thought it was like something you you had to do because that's just the way we see it on social media. And even that's the way some people are like have learned it. Like even when I went to school for yoga, it's like, they're like pushing you got to do it every day. But really like I even saw on your Instagram story a few weeks ago, for example, someone's like, Hey Jake, what do you do for your rehab? Do you get treatments? And I think you mentioned something like, um, I just see what my body needs day to day. And I think that's the key. Exactly. You, and that, you know, that comes from years of, ex, of, you know, experience and listening and you're going to screw up along the way and I've screwed up along the way and but you know you eventually figure it out and I think that what we're out here trying to do is we're out here trying to help people not make the same mistakes that we made and we're here to hopefully help people prioritize a little bit better so they get a little bit of a head start on this stuff so that you know if I broke it down into big principles you know managing loads on your body are going to be the number one thing you need to focus on. Then you should probably focus on how well you move, then making sure that you have some half decent mobility to get into those positions that you need. And then also hitting up all those recovery factors at the end of the day and getting this, the objective recovery down first. And then if you want to throw on all that stuff that makes you feel better, it's like, that's like the cherry on top of everything else. You know, that's the tip of the iceberg that you see whenever everything else below it that you can't see is what actually forms that iceberg. I really like how you say half decent mobility because a lot of times people think they need to be perfect to get started, but really you just need to get started. 
yeah, I mean, like everything else, it's mobility is just dependent upon the demand that you place. You know, I had somebody ask me just in a comment on a video last night, you know, what would be the ramification of having like a tight, long head of the bicep? And I was like, well, it would limit straight arm shoulder extension. So if you have a, if you have some demand that needs that, then it could impact you. If you have no demand for that, it's probably not going to impact you. So mobility there probably is the least of your worries. And it could be, you could say the same thing about the hamstring. You know, if you don't, if you have a certain amount to where you can get the position that you need, you're good. More doesn't really mean better. So you, again, figure out demand and then make sure that you can meet your demands. What would be the best advice you have for someone who, especially in terms of prehab, for someone who works long hours in the desk all day long and they have this, this tightness and the soreness, but they want to work out, but they're just like having issues getting into all these positions? Um, take it slow. And first thing first, like get out and go for a walk. It's probably the best thing. Like get some blood flowing. Um, stand up a few times during the day and walk around would probably help. Uh, also like I would say test yourself because a lot of times people feel tight, but they're not actually tight. So there's a big difference there between when we say something is tight, we need to be referring to a limitation of range of motion. So you cannot physically get into a position. A lot of times people feel a sensation of tightness or tension. I like the word tension there better, but they have the full range of motion. So, you know, if you have that full range of motion and you still just feel tense, well then, you know, a good dynamic warm up and just getting some blood flowing is probably the thing that you need to do. If you actually have a limitation of range of motion, then you need to modify the exercises that you want to do so that you can work through the range of motion that you currently have. So take that tight hamstring, for example. If someone has really tight hamstrings, which means that they're not going to be able to hip hinge over super well. In that case, that might limit your deadlift. If you can't pull the deadlift from the floor with good technique because of that, then the best option is probably going to be to elevate that bar six to eight inches off the ground and pull it from a block so that you can use that good technique. And this is why I prioritize movement over mobility because you can always alter the movement to suit the mobility that you have. And so for somebody who is kind of working on that, first figure out where what range of motion can you work through and have good technique, and then slowly push yourself a little bit deeper into it over time, and it will come. But you really have to have patience with it. I think that's really the key that really hit home that one point there, because a lot of times people just like, They'll just eliminate things or they'll try something else and they'll keep going and going through exercise until they find something that works for them. And then by the time they're done, they're just avoiding a lot of things when really they don't think about modification. It's so, so, so huge. That's a really good example, elevating the deadlift or even trying a different example or doing a, like a body weight race and a good morning. Really, really good mm -hmm. example. Yeah, it's you know, we, we do that all the time. There's always a way to modify the exercise. I mean... 100% of the time, there's usually a way that we can modify the exercise. Yeah, it all comes down to that prehab being uh, like individual and it also being understanding because you can't like, there's a lot of people who will work all day long and they'll, 
they'll be like, oh, I'm done with all this, all this sitting stuff. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to be a gym superhero. I'm going to start squat batching, deadlifting. And then you see them in the gym and they just, they don't move well enough for those progressions. And you just really got to, again, take it day by day and respect the progressions. Because I think that's huge to respect the progressions. You don't want to jump too fast. Yeah. And, you know, like, think of, I, I talk about, um, I use the example of my 90 year old grandmother a lot in my seminars because, you know, like common assessment that gets done for people like in this functional movement world is an overhead squat. And I'll ask, you know, everyone in the seminar, like my 90 year old grandmother comes to you. Are you going to assess her in an overhead squat? <laughs> or is she not functional? If she not functional, if she can't overhead squat and you know, because that leads us into this next conversation of, you know, a lot of older people, they tend to be much more rigid through their thoracic spines. So they probably aren't going to get their hands straight up overhead in a picture perfect textbook way. So if we had, instead of having them overhead press, if we gave them like a, just a really high incline press that worked through their range of motion, are we really changing the impact that we really have on their shoulder that much like we're their shoulders still getting really strong that way but now we're doing it through a range of motion they can actually handle and that gives them the best chance of progress without any discomfort or setback and that is really putting the critical thinking component behind all this and individualizing this for the person in front of you yeah, it's actually interesting because I took out one of those FMS workshops last month and the first thing they did for their kind of scoring and their movement speed was an overhead squat. I found it kind of, kind of like, kind of funny because it's, it's one of those things that I always fail too because of my leverages. Like I'm more of a hip dominant squatter, but they're testing us overhead with our toes forward and just like every single one in the course failed, but we could still squat perfectly fine. Right. And so the next question is, well, do you need to overhead squat? Because if we, and the reason I say that, you know, the loads applied to your body need to be the number one priority is because you don't get hurt without exposure. You must be exposed to stress in order to get hurt. So if you're never going to expose yourself in that position or to that movement under load, like there's really no need for me to be able to do it perfectly. <laughs> like, I don't need to, I don't need to be able to do a backflip because I don't plan to do a backflip. I don't need to be able to overhead squat because I have no plans to start snatching anytime soon. But the second I decide that, you know what, that's a new goal for me, I better start learning how to master that movement. Can you give us, a, the followers, a little bit of example of like what your training is like every day or what you do for your fitness? Sure. My training, uh, it varies. I have I, one thing that I, I travel a lot. So I'm kind of on planes all over the place on weekends um, for a f quite a few weekends in a row. So what I try and do is have multiple templates that keeps me flexible. And I find that's really important for people who are on the road and may not be necessarily have access to good equipment all the time. But so what I standard, what I will do standardly whenever I am home is a four day a week weightlifting program, um, upper, lower rest, upper, lower two days rest, and then repeat. Uh, I also walk every single day, morning, afternoon, night, usually walking about four miles a day, um, sometimes five miles a day with, cause I have a black lab and a golden retriever that needs some exercise. So that, you know, helps me with my active recovery a bit. On weeks that I travel, 
I will kind of switch up the training program a bit to do upper, lower rest, and then a full body because I know that the weekend's going to be shot because I'm going to be teaching and moving around and I'm going to be tired. So having that allows me to kind of keep progressing by making sure that at least I'm doing it because consistency is the number one factor that we need to think about with any training program. So weightlifting is like my cornerstone. That's my foundation because strength is going to be more protective than anything else that you can do. Um, and then I try and recover, you know, recover, keep my heart in check, you know, keep the cardiovascular system healthy from there. Uh, not much of a runner, but I can if I need to. That's interesting because you mentioned that injuries is all comes down to what stresses you place around your body. And you're mentioning how strength is the biggest like indi preventative indicator. So could you kind of explain a little bit how exactly that works for someone who's not really too into the science? Strength is protective because you have to, um, you're going to adapt. So you will adapt to the stresses that you apply to your body. So the, when we look at the literature on injury risk reduction, we see that, you know, it's not just that more, more stress applied is more risk. It's, you know, in, in some degree it is, but it's really more stress applied than you can handle. So if you chronically handle a ton of stress on your body, your body will adapt to that and you'll then be more resilient. If you don't do anything, then you're actually putting yourself at a higher injury risk because your body's going to adapt to that and you're not going to be ready to do anything. So I actually have a really good example of this because my 10 month old son uh, he likes to tear apart our uh, pieces of paper right now. So we give him our, you know, junk mail and he sits there and just rips it and has a ball with it. But I was sitting there watching him one day and I thought about this example. If you take a piece of paper and you just like it's thin piece of paper, you can easily rip it in half. Super easy because of how thin it is and the force that you apply to it. Take that same piece of paper roll it up really tightly into just as tight of a rope as you can make out of it and try and, and try and apply that same force and try and tear it. You can't, you won't be able to. And that's really what adaptation does for you. It makes a thicker tissue, a more resilient tissue so that the same stress applied can't break you anymore. And that's really the whole goal of this whole prehab thing is make it to where life cannot break you. I want you to be, you know, I want you to be able to move your couch. It's like probably the most stressful thing people ever have to do. The heaviest thing people will ever lift in their day-to-day -day life outside of manual labor jobs. So you should probably be able to deadlift the weight of your couch, you know, and then for the majority of people, you're pretty well bulletproofed against life, you know, um, in that regard. Now, obviously there's other things that must be done, but that's a good example. I think of, um, how strength is more protective is because your body is going to adapt to it. So you can then handle more stress and less things in life are going to be able to break you. Are there any last thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? I would say, you know, final thoughts there is just learn to self-assess a bit and learn to prioritize. Those are the two big things that I think uh, people are missing is a lot of times people get into a shotgun approach and the shotgun approach works for some people. 
if you fit a very, you know, specific, you know, criteria, but it's not going to work for a lot of people. So if you can learn to self-assess for your own demands, your own needs, and your own limitations, and then you can prioritize based off of that, you're going to be doing really, really well. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time and all this uh, awesome information. So for those listening who want to self-assess, definitely check out his Instagram at Dr. Jacob Harden. He has a lot of videos that teach you kind of how to assess your range of motion and how to improve it. So that's a great place to get started to kind of learn how you can implement prehab one-on-one on your own. He's also going to tell you where else you can find his content. Yeah. So Instagram is my main platform. Um, as David said, my handle there is at dr.jacob.harden. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all that good stuff, but I am most prominent on the Instagram platform. Um, I'm also traveling and teaching, um, all over the world basically in 2019. So if you are on that, um, IG platform, then you can always just hit the little link there and see where I'm going to be and see that schedule. <laughs>